The following program was made possible in part by a grant from Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com. Welcome to the Bioneers: Revolution from the Heart of Nature. We can't continue to be just transient. We can't continue just to do this and then fly away and and leave it there for somebody else to clean up or somebody else to worry about or somebody else to vote on. Indigeneity means that we have to re-indigenize ourselves. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. Scientists tell us that concern with the environment will no longer be just one of many issues in this new century. It will move to center stage. It will become the context of everything, of our lives, our businesses, our politics. We are in fact moving from the information age to the age of biology. In this series, The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we salute the bioneers, the biological pioneers who are working with nature to heal nature, honoring both traditional native wisdom and modern scientific knowledge, restoring the earth by changing the world. This house, this neighborhood, these people, this town. How many of us can say that the house we live in is the home we grew up in? How many of us consider ourselves native to where we live? We've been called the leaving culture. Janine Benyus in her work with biomimicry likens modern western civilization to a weedy culture. We behave like invasive weeds. We drop our seeds sponge up the resources to quickly produce the next crop of seeds then disperse them on the next wind to plow up the next ground the leaving culture is perpetually restless with its eyes darting for the next exploitable moment it is near blind to what is here now what is at hand what is at its feet with its eyes to what's over the next hill to where the grass appears greener it hasn't had time to learn to read what this land has written what this land is saying that illiteracy could be our undoing there are peoples who have long been becoming native to a place seeing how the land wants people to be here and now so that tomorrow comes in a good way they are first nations peoples whereas so many others have come and gone first nations are still in their place still learning from the holy land under their feet join us for the next half hour as we explore indigeneity becoming native staying native with Leslie Gray, Jeanette Armstrong, and Gucci Cook. I'm Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. A basic question I invite students to ask themselves is, where is the holy land? Leslie Gray is an Oneida Seminole psychologist. She is the founder of the Woodfish Institute and teaches at the University of California at Berkeley and at the California Institute of Integral Studies. I invite you now to ask yourself, where is the Holy Land? It can sound very strange to an Indian person to hear non-Indian people refer to the Middle East as the Holy Land. This is the Holy Land. This is where Onondaga is. 
the Sacred Council fire burns at Onondaga still. This is where the Black Hills are, the traditional vision-questing place of black elk, lame deer, and many others. This is where pilgrims crawl on their knees to be healed at Chimayo. This is where the spiritual city at Chaco Canyon was constructed with every point in alignment with the heavens. This is where Blue Lake is. This is where Big Mountain is. This is the Holy Land. Of course, all over the planet you will find sacred sites that were honored and preserved by the indigenous people of that bioregion. And of course, everywhere you step, you step on the sacred bones of ancestors. So this is the Holy Land, right here, the dirt right here under this building in San Rafael, California. Why is it important to feel the sacredness of the land you are on? Because at the dawn of the 21st century, people are still going to war over the idea that one spot in the Middle East is the Holy Land. Or another way to say it is that it is still possible for a few people interested in domination and power to bamboozle the many who only see one place and one religion based on the spiritual story of that place as sacred. And here in the U.S., where the prevailing culture still clings to a narrow conception of a distant holy land, the public is easily bamboozled into war for control of distant natural resources. So there is a very high cost indeed for failing to acknowledge the whole earth as sacred. What if every decision we made grew out of the understanding that the whole earth is sacred? If we held all the earth as sacred, not just mine or my community's land, but yours as well, your lawn, your driveway, your sidewalk, as sacred as mine, your fields, your water, your sky, even your shrine, as important as mine, simply considering that the ground under our feet, everywhere, is somehow holy ground, is a challenging proposition. The difficulty to even imagine it may indicate the distance we are from being native to this place, from our indigeneity. I wanted to talk about the idea of um, indigeneity. I wanted to make sure I include my understanding of that. Jeanette Armstrong is an award-winning Okanagan Canadian author and artist whose works include children's books, the novels Slash and Whispering in the Shadows, poetry, video, and TV productions. She is a council member of the Okanagan Nation and an internationally recognized advocate of indigenous rights. She spoke at a recent Bioneers conference. I was thinking about it in terms of if I were to look at that and give it a description in my language, how would I put that description together? And uh, one of the things that occurred to me is that we as human beings belong to the earth. We're an integral part of the earth. And that um, in some ways um, we don't understand and appreciate uh, how we changed from being indigenous to non-indigenous and what occurred in, in that process to separate those two ideas. For me, what it means is that I know where my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother has been. <laughs> and on my land, I can point to it. I can walk to it. I can, 
you know, I, I can talk to it in the same language that my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother talked to it in. And um, I can be um, familiar with it in that particular way, that the familiarity of those things that are on my land that surround me isn't just a physical familiarity, that the uh, familiarity with the land is that the land teaches us over generation upon generation upon generation how we should be on that land. In other words, the, the land itself asks us to be a certain way in order for us and it to be healthy. And to me, that's what indigenous and indigeneity means. And you can call that spirituality or you can call that uh, social practice or, or you can call it culture. Whatever, whatever words you want to conjure up for it, it still comes down to the same thing. It comes down to how we respect each other and love each other and, and care for each other and uh, how we're willing to move aside uh, for each other and include each other and take care of each other. It all comes down to that. Uh, That's not an easy thing to practice when um, you're in conflict with each other. That's not an easy thing to practice when you're in competition with each other. And I think the paradigm of competition for resources, the competition for space, the competition for all of these things that we yearn for, that we want for ourselves, leads us to this place where we're at. Um, rather than making room for each other's needs, uh, whether they be economic, whether they be cultural, or whether they be emotional, uh, all of those parts um, in our society impact the land. When you look at what is at the bottom of that need to control resources, that need to um, hold exclusive certain parts of it for my exclusive use or that person's exclusive use, and, and I know that sounds really simplistic. We can't just, you know, ask everybody to move over. But I think in a lot of ways um, what some of our uh, uh, peoples have carried forward with them are processes that work, that help us do that, that help us to uh, remind each other and remind ourselves that we need to behave in certain ways and that we have some really good constructs that can help with that. Jeanette Armstrong says that indigeneity comes down to how we respect each other, love each other, and take care of each other. In the native way, competition gives way to making room for each other's needs. These sound like high ideals, but how might a pioneer bring the principles of indigeneity into one's personal life, organization, community, and nation? I use um, an example from our community, what we're beginning to call the four societies process, but it's uh, part of the work that I'm involved in 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 the Anaukan Center. The Anaukan Center itself describes that process. Uh, The word itself comes from our high language, um, the the language of the Okanagan. It describes a governance process. And, And it describes a process in which we actively, we actively seek to find the most dissident voice, the most diverse voice, and, and, it, and it asks us and requires us to try to understand that uh, by any means we can. 
by listening, by art, by communication, by seeking clarity, but it puts the responsibility on me. It says that if I don't understand what you're saying, it's my responsibility to find a way to find out. It's not your responsibility to try to figure out how, I, how come I don't know it <laughs> or how come I don't understand it. It's my responsibility. And in the same way, if there's um, conflict between us and I don't know how to resolve that, then it's my responsibility to find a way to resolve that, to find a way every, any which way I can to engage myself responsibly to be able to find out why the conflict is there and to find what your needs are that have created that conflict and to find ways in which um, creatively I can construct or change or find solutions within whatever I am empowered to do to do that and that if I don't do that then I'm making problems for myself that it's going to impact me and so in in, in the Analkan process what we do in our communities is a process that um, says that there are different components to our communities. There's sort of a natural process of dividing it into four components. And if you think about those components being diametrically sort of in opposition to each other um, continuously in a community, then if you think about the dynamics of bringing those opposites into equilibrium to work with each other and fuel the uh, ongoing health, then you have solidarity in a community. You don't have everybody agreeing with each other, but you have solidarity in terms of what we um, agree that we can do about the things we disagree on. <laughs> and so that kind of collaboration and, and uh, consensus making is a process that embraces diversity and supports diversity and celebrates diversity, but also seeks the uh, balance, the natural balance of how that diversity can coexist and cooperate for all of our health and well-being. And I think um, out of that comes a really good reconciliation process or conflict resolution process. So I have used it in conflict resolution, and it works. It works. Jeanette Armstrong. Moving toward indigeneity from Leslie Gray's and Jeanette Armstrong's perspective would be moving toward the view that all land is holy land, that we humans belong to the earth, the earth does not belong to us. As there have been many before us, we would do well to remember the many who will follow us, and competition is best when it yields to inclusivity. The inclusivity Jeanette Armstrong describes engages and embraces diversity. It is like an ecosystem, and like an ecosystem there is struggle. It's not all sweetness and light. An indigenous inclusivity does not mean that all the colors melt into one, like white. Again, Leslie Gray. If you meet Native American people who cling to their worldview and preserve their traditions, they had to work very hard to do it. And maybe that's the thing to take away from this. Don't participate in the myth of whiteness. There is no such thing. It's simply a political construct to retain domination. Every every single person in the world has an ethnicity. Ethnic does not mean colored or being a person of color. Ethnicity is your culture. 
and it's your culture as it relates to a particular place on Earth, a particular bioregion, a particular land. And everyone can trace those roots back for themselves. And the, the most radical thing you could do is to start thinking of yourself as having come from some place in this land. And that's, that thought alone is going to be a huge contradiction to the domination of whiteness. Leslie Gray challenges her students to identify themselves with a specific place on the land. A reconnection to our roots in today's unrooted world is one of the most radical acts we can perform, she says. In fact, if we trace our own roots back far enough, we find that all of us were once indigenous. Connecting to place can deepen a sense of who we are. Connecting to place can deepen a sense of who we all are. When we return, Goodgy Cook describes her first experience in the Mohawk Longhouse. This is indigeneity, becoming native, staying native. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Goodgy Cook, a Wolf Clan Mohawk, offered that song at a recent Bioneers conference. She's director, field coordinator of the Lewiroquas program of Running Strong for American Indian Youth. She is a practitioner and teacher of Aboriginal midwifery. Goodgy Cook. Our people are far from intact. I was educated by Catholic nuns. My mother's first cousin, who in the Indian way would be my uncle, was the first or second ordained Jesuit missionary, Native American in this whole hemisphere, who told me, you go in that longhouse, you're going to go to hell. And when I was 15 years old, by then both my parents had gone on uh, to the spirit world. And so I had the freedom to do and think the way I chose. And I went in that longhouse and sat through an Ogiwe ceremony. When the buds are new on the trees in the spring... That's the time the clan mothers call together the singers to sing about 200 lines of songs that call the spirits of our dead people from the woods and from the streams, and we sit and eat and dance and sing to them all night. And when we dance, we leave a space in between, and they come and they dance with us. That's how one of the ways we deal with grief, because grief itself is an illness, a sickness, And so we do that every spring and every fall. And through the night, 
just from the act of doing, from the act of doing, I learned what that meant to be Ongwehunwe, a real person. In the morning, all the lights out, they did a stomp dance where we wove into the, a coil tight like a snake and then broke out and went out the east women's door back around the longhouse, the clan mothers carrying bags of fruits and small ribbons, throwing it in the air. What we could catch like little kids was for us. What fell to the earth was for her. I was so moved by what I had seen. I walked 15 miles just thinking about what went on and realizing all my life I'd been told, be proud you're an Indian, be proud you're a Mohawk, but don't speak your language, but don't go to the longhouse, but go off and become like a white professional. And so I had to integrate the reality that my father was one of a handful of Native uh, graduates from Dartmouth College, 1949, whose plane crashed getting ready for the Korean conflict. He was a fighter pilot in World War II, Purple Heart, decorated hero, American flag all the way. He should have survived but didn't. And my mother, in spite of her devout Catholicism, still put sweet flag on the window and gave us Indian medicine and still spoke her language. And underneath, hidden under all of that, is, is the Mohawk ways. And so I grew up with both, and I learned how to be respectful of both because we have a great spiritual diversity in our community. Some people really believe the only way to God is through a man named Jesus. And myself, I have a different vision of what our life on earth is about uh, than always thinking about somewhere over there. Because to me, this is heaven. We are here in heaven. Suffering is a part of it. I like how um, Patrick Carnes, who's a psychotherapist that works in Phoenix, Arizona, his research described the field of sexual addiction. He's a Catholic. He said, if we are made in the image of God, then God too suffers. And that was a really beautiful thing to hear. But the integration of our knowledge with the Western... Pure science is very spiritual to me. I had a microscope when I was nine years old. I lived in my grandma's house. We didn't have TV or radio. You could hear the clock ticking. It was a very boring place to be. And so I'd go out to the woods, and I'd go out to the meadows, and it was there I learned how to think in both ways. Mohawk midwife Guji Cook. Again, here's Okanagan Canadian author Jeanette Armstrong. When I was saying this morning about Okanaganizing people, um, I really mean that. Um, I really mean that in the Okanagan that uh, people need to learn how to behave with each other in, in a way which is going to be regenerative to the land and which uh, gives people the internal need and love to care for each other the way the land needs them to care for each other. And that um, if if we can entice people to love the land that much and love each other that much, they're not going to go anywhere. And not going anywhere for a number of generations uh, gives the kind of ethic that's really needed for that kind of sustainability. 
that's what localizing is about. Everybody needs to think about localizing transgenerationally and doing that in the best way possible. And to me, that's what re-indigenizing means. It, it's really an important principle in terms of what is needed on the land and how the land needs us to be. We can't continue to be just transient. We can't continue just to do this and then fly away and, and leave it there for somebody else to clean up or somebody else to worry about or somebody else to vote on. Um, indigeneity means that we have to re-indigenize ourselves. I think some Ameri- uh, Native American leader I heard said, we have to Americanize the white man. <laughs> When did it happen? When did we stop being native to this place? Jeanette Armstrong, Goodgy Cook, and Leslie Gray are not urging everyone to become Indians. Just to think of ourselves as having come from some place, our place on the land, is a step toward the indigenous. There is a respect that can come from rootedness, they say. A quiet and tenacious inclusivity can grow. With a little time, the lessons of the land can be seen, worked out in the shapes of trees, the swirls and river eddies, and markings on rock faces. If we slow our weedy impulses, stop and stay a while, those clues written in the migration of birds or the hibernating practice of bears might work on shaping who we are and how we might continue to be a part of the earth in a good way. Those clues might lead us from the leaving culture to the holy land under our feet. Indigeneity, becoming native, staying native. To find out more about the work and writings of Jeanette Armstrong, Goodgy Cook, Leslie Gray, and all the participants in this series, and to find out more about the annual Bioneers Conference, call Bioneers toll-free at 1-877-246-6337. That's 1-877-BIONEER. Or visit the Bioneers website at bioneers.org. To become a member of the Bioneers or to buy a cassette tape, CD, or transcript of this program, please call toll-free 1-877-BIONEER. That's 1-877-246-6337. To read more about the work of the Bioneers, check out the Bioneers Anthology book series, including Ecological Medicine, Healing the Earth, Healing Ourselves, and Nature's Operating Instructions, The True Biotechnologies, published by Sierra Club Books. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Osabel, written by Kenny Osabel and Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Diane Solomon. Associate producer, Stephanie Welch. Production assistance, Ginny McGinn. Distribution and promotion, WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Conference Recording Service. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko disc label. 
Additional music was made available by Canyon Records Productions at www.canyonrecords.com. And our thanks to Gucci Cook for the use of her song. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in restoring the environment by changing the world. This is program number 1204. This program was made possible in part by a grant from Organic Valley Family of Farms. Organic and farmer-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.